Hey everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, where you can hear our latest teachings and conversations. That's exciting. Someone um, who does not go to our church recently asked me if... Um, if we were allowed to put lump sums on our mortgage, and I thought it was kind of like a banking-type question. I didn't know what really we're getting at. And I said, yes, we are. And she said, good, I'm going to be making a donation pretty soon. I said, well, good. People who don't go to our church helping us build our church. I was up to the pharmacy this week, and someone who works there said, can you please thank whoever is responsible for the Friday night games nights uh, here at the church for the teenagers. She said it's just that's just the best thing ever that those kids can go and uh, hang out and play games on Friday nights. Um, so yeah, lots of good things happening. We are in Paul's letter uh, to a group of new churches in the area of Ephesus, and his letter is teaching them how to be the church. And uh, the longer that we're in this study in the book of Ephesians, the more convinced I am and the more thankful I am that God led us to this book for this season uh, in our lives and as a church as we prepare to go up the road uh, to that new building and launch what we believe is going to be a new phase of ministry. There's, week after week, we just find ourselves... I believe, in the, in the perfect text, in that God is, is working uh, in us, and uh, we are becoming uh, the church that he's called us to be, and it's exciting. So Paul's letter to the, those group of churches in the area of Ephesus, uh, teaching them how to be the church. There is a way to church. There is a way to church that is transformational, and beautiful, it's attractive, and it's powerful, and it's vital to those who are part of the church, and it's vital to its community. And Paul reminds them who they are in Christ. He reminds them of what happens when, when we choose, when you choose to believe in the resurrected Jesus, and you, you surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. And Paul reminds them in Ephesians of that mighty power that is available to them, that they will shed their, their old ways of living. They, they can put off their old ways of living, and they can take on uh, a new image, the image of Jesus. And in the midst of the culture around them, they can, they can shine. They can, they can demonstrate the love of Jesus. They will stand out, uh, not because they're better, but because they've met Jesus. And these letters uh, that we're reading, they weren't written in chapters and verses. Paul didn't say, and now for chapter 4. It was just a letter, right? We've, we've broken it down. But when we get to uh, near the end of what we call chapter 4, Paul gets very specific with behaviors and sins that have no place in our lives and they have no place in the church. And if we had a way of, of uh, you know... It, the, my Bible's black and white, but if we had a way of, of shading it for, for tone, you know, if we had a way of giving it some, some tone, there would be more color as you uh, 
get into towards the end of chapter four. The, the, the tone would change. The color would change. There's more intensity or more volume as you get near the end of, of chapter four. There's a weight to these words because Paul knows that the stakes are high. If, if we get this right, right? Ephesians chapter four. If we get this right, the church will be the most attractive, beautiful, unstoppable community on the planet or on the island. If we get this right, the message of Jesus will shine in all of its intended glory. But if we get it wrong, we will become invisible, irrelevant, and a joke. Should we read it? Are you ready now? <laughs> <laughs> seatbelts on it's Ephesians chapter 4 I didn't write this Paul did and he says in verse 26 and don't sin by letting anger control you don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil there is a, there's a righteous anger that, that's good and okay and normal, and, and it's not a sin. There's a righteous anger that is not a sin, and you know what that is. You should be angry when you see injustice and when you see wrongs and evils and things like that. There, there's, oh, there are things that it's okay to be angry at, and generally speaking, you, you know what those things are. There's also an anger that is wrong and unacceptable, and it is sin, and you know what that is right? You recognize it, and it doesn't sit well with you. And the people closest to you, they recognize it as well. They see it, and they would like to stand up right now and say, would you please listen to this sermon? <laughs> this one's for you. This is your day. This is your sermon. Listen. And Paul uses the words don't and let. Don't let don't and let mean that there are decisions that, that you can make. Don't and let. These are choices that we can make. Now, you might need professional anger management, and that's okay. That, that, that's, 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 that's okay. You might need medication. That's okay. It really is. But to the first century church, Paul reminds them that God has given them power and choice and wisdom and the Holy Spirit, and they do not need to act the way that they used to act. They do not need to act, respond, or live like the culture around them. There's power to be different. He's writing to the church and he's saying to the church, don't be like that any longer. There's, there's, there's power to change. There's transformational power available. Paul knows the damage that anger can do. Paul was that person. That, that was Paul before Jesus. He knows what anger can, can, can bring someone to do. Um, Paul is, 
in a prison somewhere when he's writing this letter. He's, he's living the results of other people's anger towards him, right? And if there is a, a choice, if these words don't and let mean, if that means that there is another way of living that is possible in our lives, that we can choose not to be angry, don't and let. If that means there's another way of living possible in our lives, in the name of Jesus, let it be true for the Lighthouse Church. Right? That, that we should not settle for ordinary or average or this is just the way I am. Paul's saying, don't let don't let that. Don't, don't let that old way of living uh, be true in your life. You be changed. Anger is not a gift of the Spirit. Right? And you weren't born angry. Right? Most of you. You got angry. Over time, you got angry. And if you got angry, you can ungot angry. You can unget angry. You can, you can get on angry. There's all kinds of bad English in there. <laughs> you, right? I mean, if you got angry, you can get unangry. This is yes. This is yes. You can be transformed, Romans 12, by the renewing of your mind. Now, some of you like being angry. Like you're happiest when you're angry. Isn't it bizarre? Ironic, like it's just the way you like to be. Like I, I, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just who I am. Maybe you like being angry. Maybe you feel best when you're at your worst. And some people are like that. And they enter cafes <laughs> on Graham and Ann. None in particular. This I could be talking about any cafe. And you cannot make them happy. And this type of anger should be, listen gang, this type of anger should be weird, strange, and foreign in the church. I don't understand church people who want to fight. I don't understand that combative, nasty, walk on an angle, you know, don't push my buttons kind of anger. I don't understand believers staying angry with other believers. And Paul describes a church where people love one another, and they forgive one another, and they talk things out, and they work things out, and they wag more and bark less. And rather than holding grudges, they hold one another up. And when you walk into that room, you feel love. You ever walk into a room where you could feel the tension? Right? It's like, oh, am I ever glad I'm here? You know, no. Like, no. Like, who wants to go to Tension Church? Right? Not me. Not me. I've, I've been to Tension Church. And I, I don't have, I don't, I'm not going back. And so, what Paul is saying is, Either he's teasing us and it's just not possible, or it's true. P 
Paul's inviting us to be the church that Jesus came to establish. Verse 26, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So this verse tells us that anger can control you. And when anger controls you, it is a sin. Are we still allowed to talk about sin in the church? It's like sin's become a bad word. Paul says, there is, your anger can get to the point where it controls you. I think we all know that. And when it does, it is a, it is a sin. I was thinking back as I was writing this to, what were the times in my life when I was most angry? Usually I had skates on my feet. Hockey skates and a stick in my hand, <laughs> right? Those are, those are usually the times when I was most angry. Um, but it's usually when we feel as though we have been wronged. And for a while, like when you've been wronged, for a while, anger feels really good, right? And it, it feels, anger can feel like the right response, like, I deserve to feel this way. Somebody else has caused me to feel this way, and I'm justified in my anger because of what they've done. I now am allowed to feel the way that I am feeling. And uh, even if I know I should let it go, I don't want to let it go, and I'm not going to let it go until I'm good and ready to let it go, right? So, so there, and, you know, and I'm just going to hold on to this anger until I'm good and ready. And in my anger, I feel as though I'm positioning myself in the right in this, in this situation, and I'm putting the other person in the wrong in this situation, and I want to hold them in, in, over there, and, uh, and I want to inflict whatever amount of, of retribution and remorse, whatever, whatever pain I can inflict back onto them, that's what I'm, that's what I'm a doing. That's what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to hang on to my anger maybe forever. I might never let them off the hook, and I might never let go of my, of my anger. And Paul has this crazy idea that we should not carry our anger beyond the sunset on Southern Head. What a jerk. Like, come on. He has this idea that we should not let the sun go down on our anger. I'm going to get a second opinion. So I went to see what James, the brother of Jesus, had to say. And he said in chapter 1 of his letter, verse 19, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So I didn't like that, and I thought, I'm going to get a third opinion. And I'm going to check with Jesus, because Jesus probably understands that it's okay to harbor your anger. And so I looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, and Jesus said, You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. 
If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, this is Jesus, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your offering in the red offering box in the lobby. Go and be reconciled to that person. What he means there, what he's saying in the original language is go and be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversaries, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Okay, everybody breathe deep. When you let the sun go down on your anger, you are taking your anger and its consequences into your own hands. God has a way, and God's way is go and settle your differences. But when you take your differences into the evening after sunset, you've decided, um, I'm, I'm going to go my way. I'm not, I'm not going to go God's way. God has a way, but I'll settle this my way. The, the setting sun and the rising sun, there, there's, there's a rhythm in there. There's, it's full of biblical promise and, and truth. It's, it's, there's a time to work and a time to rest, and each new day is filled with mercy and grace and healing. And while you sleep, God restores you, and he renews your strength. And during the day, each new day is your opportunity to serve God with your best and to love others, love your neighbor with your best. And then each evening, you get to rest in the Lord. For me, it gets earlier and earlier as I grow older, right? 10 is the new midnight, midnight's the new all-nighter, right? But every evening, you get to rest in the Lord knowing that your heart is at peace, that there's nothing between you and someone else. There's nothing between you and the Lord, and you just get to rest in the Lord and then start a new day tomorrow. There are things that you are never meant to carry into the night. But we do. So you're on the phone with someone or you're watching one of your TV shows and you realize, uh-oh, the sun is going to set in 20 minutes. And I have not yet gone to that brother or that sister and made things right. And so you say, I'm sorry, Margaret. I, I could have picked any name, Mark, sorry. But I'm sorry, Margaret. I just realized the sun is setting. And there is someone that I have not yet asked to forgive me. And just the reaching out by saying to that other person, are we good? Are we good? 
There's a rhythm that God built into creation for us, this, this day and night, work and rest. By God's design, there are enough hours in a day to settle everything. And the good news is, uh, we're in daylight savings time. This is the end of May. Like, you got a lot of time. You got many hours ahead of you today. You have several hours today until sunset. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And if you do your part, God will do his, and you, you'll sleep like a baby. Whoever said sleep like a baby obviously never had kids. <laughs> Verse 27, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. This is another place in Scripture where we should do our best to, to not read this um, in our Western world. Do your best to imagine that we, you are in a first century home in the southwest corner of modern-day Turkey, okay? That's where you are right now. The home is stone. Most homes were made out of stone with a dirt floor. Small jars of oil burn for light. You sit on the floor on a hand-woven mat. An elder in the room unrolls the heavy parchment and continues to read the words written by Paul himself or copied by one of the many scribes and assistants who would have copied the letters. So there you are. Are you on the floor, dirt floor, on the mat? Yes? That word, foothold. When the elder reads, anger gives a foothold to the devil. Our English language struggles to translate this word and doesn't really... It doesn't do a very good job. It is the word T-O-P-O-S. Topos. And it means place. Foothold. It's used several times in Scripture, the feeding of the 5,000. They came to a remote topos, a place. Golgotha, they went out to the place, the topos of the skull. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus went out to a remote place, topos, to pray. And we, we translated it foothold. It's, just, it's strange. Mark 6, 32, Jesus invites the disciples to go off to a quiet place to rest. When you are sitting in the quiet of those first century house churches, and you hear these words and you get the visual that anger opens the door to Satan and gives the enemy a place. Then you start to feel the weight of Paul's words. Like, wow, okay, I get what you're saying. When you bring anger into your home, you are giving the devil, you're giving the enemy a place into your marriage. When you bring anger into your marriage, you're giving the enemy a place. Or into your parenting, or your work, or your friendships, or your church. 
But I was thinking about this, and I thought, how many times that we felt like there's something in our way in our relationship with the Lord or in a spiritual breakthrough, just something impeding us, something that is just, what is it? Something that's preventing us from that breakthrough. And maybe it's anger. Maybe we've given the devil a foothold, a place where where he should not be. How many times the community has observed either anger from us while we're out in the community or anger within us as a church? And who would want to be a part of that? Like, if I, I can get anger anywhere. I don't need to go to church to get anger. Why would I go to church to get anger? It's crazy. The stakes are high. If we get this right, the church will be the most beautiful and enticing and attractive community on the planet. And people will come. People will come. They won't go to Tension Church. And they won't go if they know that when you leave here, you're holding something against another brother or sister. It's not right. If we get this right... The church will be the most beautiful and enticing and attractive community on the planet and people will come and they will come with all of their burdens and hang-ups and doubts and fears and whatever and they will find a place of love and acceptance and hope and faith and healing. They won't sniff anger and the devil will not have a place in our fellowship and the church of Jesus will be unstoppable on Graham and Ann. Don't let the sun go down. Today is the day that anger gets its eviction notice. You no longer have a place in my life or in my home or in my marriage or in my whatever. You fill in the blank. It's either true or it's not. And I believe Paul is inviting us to accept the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that, that that can be true. To just say, well, this is this just the way God made me. I'm just, I'm just that way. Is you're denying the that God, that God's power could actually change you. Let's pray. Lord, again, I want to thank you for your word. I just I just stand amazed this morning again at how. You've led us into Ephesians for such a time as this. I just can't help but get around uh, the fact that, that, that you would do this, that you would guide us, and uh, you're preparing us. And, and part of preparing is, is doing and deciding, not just thinking about who we're going to be a few weeks from now or when we get there, but who we are now. And... Uh, Lord, I feel the weight of this, that there are, there are decisions being made in this room right now, and there are decisions to be made in this room right now. And maybe, maybe Lord, before the sun goes down, there are some conversations that need to be had where we just reach out and say, are we okay? And um, with, with no expectation of what the other person will say, we, we can... We can just take it all and say, look, if I've, 
if I've done anything wrong, I just want to say I'm sorry. I want to ask you to forgive me. I hope that we can move on and, 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 and mend this relationship. I feel like Pastor John was saying that, that today is a day of victory. Why would we let the enemy have a place? <laughs> the, enemy, the enemy deserves no place, <clears throat> no footholds. There is victory available in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the power, victory in the blood, victory in the name of Jesus today. So, Lord, would you rule in our hearts? Would you rule in our lives? Would we leave here today um, fully surrendered, not holding anything back, and uh, just, just loving you and loving others and following you to the very best of our ability? We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Thanks for listening and joining us today. If you'd like to know more about the Lighthouse Church, you can find us on Facebook at Lighthouse Graham and Ann or on Instagram at The Lighthouse GM. We'd love to chat with you more. Maybe something jumped out at you or grabbed your attention while you were listening today. We would love to talk with you and discuss some of the deeper questions of life together. God loves you. We love you. And we're in this together.